Hi, welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fans. I will you to feel the love. All the love. Consensually, of course. Very Yes. Today we'll be discussing 10 Trends to Seduce Your Best Friend by Penny Reed. For the last six years, Winifred and Byron have maintained distance while orbiting in the same social group. When a mutual friend backs out of a plan to boost Winnie's online following, Byron offers to be the best friend slash secret crush in her challenge videos. Winnie and Byron now need to navigate through their respective comfort zones as they negotiate the boundaries of becoming friends to maybe more than friends. Will they be able to open up and trust each other with their squishy bits? (laughs) There will be spoilers beyond this point. Content warning for childhood trauma and abuse survivorship. So let's set it up. What is Byron and Winnie's relationship or dynamic at the start of the story? Because like you said in the blurb, they've known each other for six years. So that's a span of time. Yes, that that is a span of time. (laughs) You are quite accurate. I am on with the smarts. (laughs) Okay. Winnie is 26, and she lives in an apartment, I think an apartment, with her BFF Amelia, who she met in college. Amelia has a BFF named Byron, who she's known since childhood. Winnie has known Byron basically as long as she's known Amelia, but she does not like him, and so she avoids him. She feels like he doesn't like her, and he probably avoids her as well. So while they see each other casually as acquaintances due to their mutual friend Amelia, they've never really connected beyond that. At the beginning of the book, Winnie is in the midst of hosting her monthly science-themed live stream. She is a science teacher at a middle school or maybe a high school she said i think her kids were 13 yeah so could be either yeah (laughs) one of the causes winnie feels very strongly about is women in stem and as a woman in stem she, she wants to be a positive role model to young women and girls who may be feeling turned off by stem or intrigued but feel like they can't do it. You know, she wants to help uplift that demographic. You know, Winnie says that around the ages of 12 or 13, girls that have been interested in STEM subjects typically have less of an interest from that point on. So she wants to get them re-engaged. As Winnie is hosting her, her live stream, Amelia comes home and she has Byron with her. And Byron is a famous author. He also, I think, holds two PhDs. Yes. He is, according to Winnie, good at all the things and very intimidating because of it. She doesn't know how to handle being around someone who just doesn't put on that people person type persona at all. And Byron, he does not put on that persona whatsoever. No. He completely eschews the idea of that he sees her recording and he's like oh what's that and he shows up in her live stream that kind of freaks her out a little bit but she manages to end her stream successfully after his quote guest appearance 
Yay. <laughs> right? And when she goes out into the other room to greet her her roommate and her her roommate's guest, because Winnie is, is very much a people person. She is almost, I, I think, to a fault, a people pleaser. And immediately Byron has snide things to say. He criticizes her plants and he criticizes her job. And he just... <laughs> do you think he's criticizing or do you think he honestly thinks he's being helpful? Winnie takes it as criticism for sure. Yes. What we what we learn from him or what we learn about him, he is trying to be helpful, mm-hmm. but he doesn't understand tact or diplomacy. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to pick up on the fact that his nickname for her, Fred, is one she doesn't like. She prefers Winnie. Yeah, it's not even that she doesn't like it necessarily. It's more like he chose that name for her without consulting her her consent. (laughs) And she feels like he doesn't remember her real name. (laughs) As far as she knows, he just decided to call her Fred instead of Bob, you know? (laughs) Byron has some valid criticism about Winnie's career as a teacher, which... Winnie takes very, very personally, but it is about like teachers are underpaid and do a lot of work off the clock Mm -hmm. and are undervalued. All extremely valid criticisms, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yes, yes. Winnie takes it very personally because she feels like he's judging her choices. Yeah. And the same with the plants. She has plants, but she's not maybe the best plant mother she could be. But Byron, who is good at everything, is like, oh, well, this plant should be over here and this plant needs more water. And he just knows these things. And he's trying, like we discussed, I think, to be helpful. But all she hears is, you're bad at taking care of these plants. (laughs) After we get to know Byron a bit better, it makes me wonder if he researched those plants and how to care for them. So that way, when he shows up, he actually knows, hey, by the way, (laughs) I bet he did. Yeah. (laughs) And she she doesn't see that. (laughs) It's not unlike, you know, somebody comes over to your house if they want to offer to fix things or offer to carry something or offer to. It's not a judgment. I think that's a good point. When you see someone struggling in some way whether it's a personal struggle or like you said, like something with their house or whatever. And you're like, oh, but I know how to do that. And I want to help that person. So I'm going to offer my services. That person could take it as judgment or take it personally, simply based on how you say it, or based on what prior relationship you have with them, or based on their personal history, or some combination of factors. And Byron doesn't think about that aspect of social interaction. No. He's just, I have this knowledge and I shall share because I want to help. Whether or not you want me to or asked me to. (laughs) (laughs) So Winnie gets flustered and upset and decides to go on a run to calm herself down. And when she gets back, Byron's gone. Amelia basically tries to get Winnie to admit that Byron makes her uncomfortable. Like, should I not bring him over anymore? You know, should I talk to him? Amelia is very close with Byron and she really, I think, has a good grasp of his personality 
from a friend point of view and she and Byron have navigated their interpersonal relationship very well and she kind of puts herself in the middle here like well here let me help you navigate this as well so it can be more comfortable for you. Winnie however as a people pleaser doesn't want to inconvenience anyone ever even her BFF who is like hey let me help you with this she's like no it's fine it's not him it's me he's too perfect I can't handle it. Winnie has this memory where the first words Byron spoke to her were correcting her pronunciation of a place. And ever since then, she's kind of felt he was condescending and judgmental toward her. And she's internalized all this as bad first impression. I unfortunately now filter everything he says through this lens. It's all my fault. Yeah. They change the subject and we learn that Amelia's company that she works at got a girls in STEM grant that they applied for and it's going to allow them to hire some community managers and she wants Winnie to apply for one of the community manager positions because Winnie has been looking for a STEM oriented side hustle to help pay off her student loans and also to help her achieve her I guess life goals or something like that. Like her, she wants to be a role model, but to make her more competitive for one of those positions, Amelia says that Winnie needs to boost her numbers on her social media account. So she needs hundreds of thousands more followers. She needs way more engagement. She should post on TikTok too, and also do more, stereotypically girly stuff in addition to STEM stuff because Winnie actually likes a lot of stereotypically feminine things. She really likes makeup. She likes dressing up. She hides all that from her social media in particular because she wants to make sure her message isn't diluted. And what Amelia is telling her is actually the better thing to do would be to show yourself as a whole person that would create more engagement It would also help spread your message, which is you can be a woman and be in STEM. You can be both, which I think is what Winnie really wants. Yes. They're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to core the femininity out of your personality to be in STEM. One of the things that Amelia suggests is doing a series of romance challenges that would help create engagement. And Winnie is... I think kind of open to it, but she's also like, well, I don't know who I'd do it with. I have no time to date. I haven't tried dating. I'm not interested right now. She's focused solely on her career and her her social media objectives and her friendships and things like that. Amelia suggests that their mutual friend Jeff might be willing to collaborate with the romance challenges. Jeff has a TikTok. He's also a science teacher and he is also just really nice and funny and engaging. And Winnie has always kind of had like this crush on him, kind of an idealized version of him really, because Jeff has always been with Lucy. They've been dating on off and on for 11 years and they broke up two months ago. So he's available. Winnie is a little worried about it because she doesn't want to be a rebound. Which is fair. But she's definitely into him. And according to Amelia, Jeff is into her. And Amelia kind of 
takes charge of this whole decision and gets Jeff in on it. I don't know if she completely had Winnie's agreement, but maybe she just figured that Winnie would be fine with it. Unfortunately, I think Amelia probably trusted that Winnie would speak up if she was uncomfortable. But I guess Amelia failed to grasp that Winnie never speaks up. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Amelia understands Winnie very, very well. She's aware that Winnie had had a rough childhood. Her mother died. We don't really hear about Winnie's father. And Winnie moved in with her aunt and uncle. And her uncle in particular was very, very, very critical of Winnie. Anything that Winnie seemed to want, her uncle would make a point of withholding it from her. Like, help, love, any of that. Like, any (laughs) (laughs) The building blocks. (laughs) It's not like, oh, I want a fancy dress or a Lego. It was like, can you love and support me? No. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like that. So, abusive, really. Emotional needs not met. Not just neglect. Active neglect (laughs) if that's a thing yeah intentional i think maybe amelia also makes excuses for winnie too because of what she knows about her of course she'd speak up if she really didn't like it she trusts me not only that but she trusts me so she knows i make good choices on her behalf yeah and amelia does that with byron too making excuses oh they trust me but byron would speak up that's the difference Definitely. Winnie and Byron are kind of two sides of the same Mm -hmm. coin. (laughs) Related, but different. One of the things Winnie does as the social organizer of her friend group, I guess, like she's the one who's taken on the responsibility to make sure everyone stays friends. Due to that, she's created this weekly Stardew Valley co-op server that she opens on Friday nights where friends if they want to can join in and play a video game socially interact with each other sometimes people join sometimes they don't stardew valley by the way is amazing (laughs) if you have not tried it while she's getting ready to begin the weekly stardew valley game she's looking at her stats for the recent video she just posted the one with byron's accidental guest appearance and her stats on that video are way higher But the comments are all about either him or about him and her having great chemistry together. And it just makes her feel really weird. Meanwhile, Amelia is texting Jeff, implying, oh, hey, you can help Winnie out if you want to. You know, and so arranges all that. And they agree that they're going to do the romantic challenges together. And Amelia suggests, oh, let's use Jeff and Byron's house because they have better light there. It's actually Byron's house. And then Jeff lives there as a roommate, but Byron owns it. Byron is like insanely wealthy as well. Yes. We don't really know how much money he has, but he has like this huge mansion in Seattle. Sounds amazing, Mm -hmm. honestly. So later, I don't know, the next day, a couple days later, Winnie and Amelia go over to Byron's place and they meet up with Jeff and they're working on shooting these videos. Prior to coming over, Amelia and Winnie have scripted out a story arc for the videos to make it seem like they're friends becoming possibly more than friends to build anticipation for future videos, that kind of thing. But Jeff is not being very helpful. Every video he kind of goes off script or he's 
being silly or he's kind of making it about him. There's one point where he sticks his tongue down Winnie's throat, which everyone somehow laughs off. I don't... Mm. Okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, Byron is watching these videos get recorded and he just seems like angry kind of like just pissed off like if you like a grumpy pants you'll like byron for sure (laughs) his pants are definitely Mm -hmm. grumpy byron is the one who ends up confronting jeff and saying hey you know what this is supposed to help winnie and you're not helping her at all you're just being silly and not following the script you're doing a bad job (laughs) you have one job and you're sucking at it (laughs) Amelia and Jeff are both like, oh, okay. Winnie, meanwhile, is like, oh, no, no. Let's keep the boat steady. No one rock the boat, please. That's her role in Must life. Must keep the peace. The, the boat stabilizer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Byron says, here, I'll show you how to do it, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're like, Amelia and Jeff are just like, oh, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Maybe that'll help us switch gears. <laughs> Winnie is a little stalled out about this plan because <laughs> she struggles around Byron. <laughs> but she decides to go along with everybody. Amelia thinks it's okay. Jeff thinks it's okay. So she's going to do it, obviously. <laughs> Byron is sitting on the couch pretending he's playing a video game. When he comes in and straddles his lap so it's meant to be kind of a sexy sort of video really in a innocent way because when he's concerned about her image as a teacher of course but this particular take is extremely sexually charged the tension is just rife (laughs) (laughs) yeah she can barely handle it and she nopes out of doing the planned ending of resting her head on his chest because she just can't and so (laughs) Jeff and Amelia both think that this take is amazing and they both start going through the video, you know, like it's helping <laughs> Jeff, right? <laughs> and Jeff is like, oh, yeah. Oh, I see what I should have done. No, you're right, Byron. Good idea. You know, <laughs> and Winnie is just kind of mortified. But then as they're going through the video, Byron leaves and then Lucy, Jeff's ex, texts Jeff. And immediately Jeff bails and he's just like, no, I got to go. Sorry, guys. And he just leaves, which is really off putting to Winnie, because up to that point, she liked Jeff a lot. She was into him. She had a crush on him. But this has kind of forced her to accept that idealized Jeff is not the same as real Jeff. Real Jeff isn't as good. No, no, he's not. (laughs) And it and it kind of negates the crush she had on him and she's also really confused about byron too because she felt like he was into it it looked like he was into it like he wanted her to sit on his lap he wanted to have that contact with her she kind of rationalizes it like oh well of course he's a good actor he's good at everything obviously he's acting and he's just really fucking good at Mm -hmm. it (laughs) this is where the story (laughs) (laughs) takes a dramatic (laughs) turn because the next day Winnie is working at the library Uh, she likes to go there and do planning and stuff like that and Amelia comes by to find her and says I made a mistake 
and you need to promise you'll always love me and forgive me. (laughs) Best friends love each other no matter what. Right, Winnie? (laughs) That's not ominous at all. (laughs) She makes Winnie even promise not to hate her. And then after she secures this forgiveness, preemptive forgiveness and promise, she admits that instead of recording the video, she accidentally posted it live. Oops. And it's already on Winnie's profile. (laughs) So they live streamed the take with Byron. And it has over a million views already. Look how popular you are. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Look, it's positive. (laughs) One of the reasons that her views are so increased is that Byron is very private He's a very famous, popular author, but he also has no social media. He does no interviews. He does no fan interaction. His fans are kind of starving for Byron news, I guess. And that's part of why this live stream that got posted is kind of viral now. (laughs) Exciting! Amelia decides that she and Winnie should call Byron together and leave him a voicemail apologizing and let him decide what to do. Winnie immediately wants to delete the video. She's concerned about Byron because he's anti-social media. She doesn't want to offend Byron or upset Byron. Again, other people's needs Mm -hmm. ahead of her own. Always, 100%. Even this person she doesn't really supposedly like at all. Byron happens to answer the phone when Amelia calls, but he doesn't seem mad really at all. Even when Amelia says, you know, it's actually pushing like 2 million views now and you shouldn't delete it because it's Mm -hmm. helping Winnie. Obviously, (laughs) that's the whole point he did it was to help Winnie. And if it's helping her, it's good. And then he calls her Fred again, but he also called her Winnie. So Winnie knows (laughs) that now that he's choosing to call her Fred. He asks what Winnie wants to do. He wants her to make the decision. She says it seems weird to leave it up because she's going to do the rest of the videos with Jeff or someone else, you know, since Jeff left to go rescue Lucy or whatever. And Byron says, don't delete it. I'll be right over. Unless you want pastries, then I'll be like 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Amelia and Winnie wait for Byron to arrive. Amelia seems to think this is all perfectly normal and fine. Winnie is freaking out. Oh my god, why can't we just delete it? It's fine. Let's delete it and move on. Let's pretend it never happened. I don't like uncomfortable confrontations. Let's just, let's just not. Byron comes over with pastries. He has also brought gluten-free scones, specifically for Winnie, because he knows she is celiac, even though she's never told him. He's just noticed this about her. And everything she eats is gluten-free. When Byron is there, they discuss, you know, okay, so obviously Jeff and Lucy are getting back together. It makes more sense, he thinks, to do the videos with Winnie (laughs) since the first one did so well. But he has stipulations. (laughs) (laughs) And these are the first of many, many stipulations Mm -hmm. that Byron has that we are aware of anyway. His stipulations in this case are he wants it to be just him and Fred, no audience, so... Fred records it. He also doesn't want to know when she's planning to film them. He's only willing to do one challenge a week. And in return for doing this for her, 
he wants her to be his date to the Jupiter Awards because she's good at being a people person. And also maybe some other publicity events too. Since his book did so well, there was a clause in his contract that kicked in and is forcing him to do some publicity events that he otherwise would not do. Amelia was originally supposed to be his social buffer person, but she can't. Of course Byron of course. wants Winnie to do it. I mean, duh. He, he's the hero in the story. <laughs> Winnie agrees to that. She's really good at peopling, being a people person, being a social buffer. This is all her bailiwick. She's up for it. She's very grateful to Byron. Like, I'm so glad that you agreed to help me. I appreciate it so much. This is amazing. And Byron is like, no, don't thank me. You're not allowed <laughs> to thank me. And she says, okay, well, you have to promise to answer the phone when I call you, especially because we have to arrange to shoot these other videos. And he says he's always going to answer the phone. <laughs> he says, quote, I promise if you want or need me, I'll be there. <laughs> Winnie does not take this as seriously as Byron <laughs> intends, I think, because she still doesn't understand. She doesn't understand Byron and she doesn't understand Byron's feelings for her. Yeah, no. <laughs> not at all after finishing the book going back and looking at these scenes in detail i really appreciate the writing the author does a really really good job of injecting a lot of hints about byron that he's not an asshole on purpose really you know i mean sometimes he is yeah but he owns but not it. to winnie yeah ever no and when you know about byron by the end of the book, you're like, oh, well, obviously he was doing this to be sweet. Obviously he was doing that to be sweet. And when you're reading it, you get hints of it. And you realize as a reader, or I did anyway, that Winnie was just so concerned about doing that social dance with him. But he doesn't do the dance. Like, he's not doing the dance moves. No. She's trying to do the dance moves. And he's like looking at her like, what are you doing? Why are you dancing like that? That's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she doesn't know how to handle that. Her whole life has been about navigating this social dance between people. And she enjoys being social with people. But she also expects them to play by the social rules that Byron has no intention of following. Social media engagement is still rising. She's just posted that one live stream. But the STEM focused videos are also having more engagement. Although a lot of the comments are still about Byron. A couple weeks later, Winnie runs into Jeff. Up to this point, Winnie has been obsessing about continuing the videos and has avoided contacting Byron whatsoever. So they made this deal. Yes, of course, we'll do this. And then Winnie's like, no, no, I, I just can't. I'm stalled out. When she sees Jeff, it seems to be a positive thing. He apologizes for bailing and he says, you know, yeah, me and Lucy got back together and... We're hosting a dinner party and you and Amelia should come. Winnie, of course, agrees to go. She's been kind of feeling bad just in general. She's been feeling bad about the whole Jeff thing. She's feeling guilty about using Byron. She feels like she's riding his coattails. She's happy about the party. She's like, okay, good. Maybe Jeff and I can still be friends. It'll be fine. When Winnie and Amelia get to the party, Lucy answers the door and she is not happy to see them specifically not happy to see Winnie and apparently Jeff invited them without telling Lucy whatsoever oops 
And when Jeff shows up, he seems to not be bothered about Lucy being upset either. He's like, he acts like it's normal, like it's fine. (laughs) It's this really weird dynamic between Jeff and Lucy that Winnie is just now noticing. That Lucy always seems to be mad at Jeff and Jeff seems to love it. And they've done this for 11 years. Aren't they tired? Not yet. (laughs) I guess not. To each his own. Winnie and Amelia make the best of the situation and find friends. (laughs) They just make new friends. (laughs) Drink a lot of wine. And then Winnie has to go to the restroom. So Amelia gives her directions to go upstairs. And Winnie uses the wrong staircase and accidentally opens the door to Byron's bedroom. (laughs) Oops. Because, of course, Byron's house has two staircases. Of course. And, of course, Byron's in his underwear. Of course. Obviously, he's wearing black undies. <laughs> Why not? As one does. As one does. Winnie is like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, I, oh, what do I do now? You know, she closes the door and, like, tries to, like, find the bathroom. <laughs> but she's all flustered. Um, she thinks Byron's very hot in his underwear. Shortly after she closes the door on herself, (laughs) he comes out wearing just PJ pants, no shirt. He he directs her to use, I think, his bathroom. And the whole time she's like, sorry, 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 sorry. And he's like, you apologize too much. (laughs) And when she gets out of the bathroom, (laughs) he's standing. He's like lurking. (laughs) He's like right outside the door. And he's like, there is no graceful way to wait for you to come out of the bathroom. I'm sorry. He doesn't apologize, but... (laughs) (sighs) he wants to discuss the logistics for the jupiter awards and he also wants to know if she's backing out of the deal since she hasn't been calling him and he keeps asking her these pointed questions or at least winnie thinks they're pointed questions and it makes her mad and i think because she's drunk and her inhibitions are down she ends up reaching a breaking point and she lashes out at him and one of the things she calls him is dr (laughs) a-hole And he says, oh, I assume that means asshole. And she says, no, it means apathy hole. (laughs) (laughs) Which I fucking love that. And I love that she called him doctor instead of mister because he holds two PhDs. (laughs) And Byron's kind of amused by that, too. Like, there's still the respect for his education (laughs) while she's pissed at him. (laughs) So after she's lashed out, she ends up admitting to him that she feels like she's not earning her followers honestly if they do the videos together. And then since they're all being open and honest with each other, (laughs) Byron says, well, I like you. Like, like, like you. (laughs) And when he's like, oh, like a little bit. And he's like, no, like a lot. (laughs) And she just does not know what to do with this. And now finally... Finally, we get to be in Byron's head. At the end of the story, there's an author's note, and the author writes about how originally she didn't intend to have Byron be a point of view. Huh. Byron basically demanded his own point of view. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) And she says that this chapter, she figured, was a one-off, and she wasn't going to release it as part of the book necessarily, Maybe as like a bonus chapter or something, you know, like, oh, you're in Byron's head for this chapter. Mm -hmm. But she ended up having Byron keep 
demanding to tell his <laughs> side. <laughs> it's kind of funny because after reading that author's note, it really makes a lot of sense because Byron is very, no, I, th- this is how I am and you have to just listen to it my mm-hmm. way. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes sense. <laughs> And the author does a really good job of differentiating between points of view as well, because Byron's voice, quote unquote, is completely different from Winnie's. I thought it was really good. But anyway, so we're in Byron's head now. And he says, I a lot like you, but it's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) And in my notes, I have LOL, LOL, because I was cracking up so much at this point. oh peak cringe humor you know and Winnie is horrified and Byron's like my feelings aren't your problem (laughs) (laughs) Winnie's just like does not compute (laughs) I manage everyone's feelings what are you talking about (laughs) Uh, Amelia finally saves them from this extremely awkward encounter because she's gone searching for Winnie thinking she maybe got lost Byron and Winnie manage to hold it together. I guess it's more Winnie holding it together. Byron is just being Byron. He lies. And this is the, I think, the only time he's lied ever in the book at all. But he tells Amelia that, yeah, of course, they made plans to make more videos. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a lie? I mean, he was trying to make plans. So I don't know. (laughs) And then Winnie says... Oh, yeah, we're going to meet up tomorrow because it's a three-day weekend and we'll film two to catch up. And then Winnie and Amelia leave. Byron's just like, okay, well, that (laughs) happened. I did the thing I wasn't going to do. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) He's fully aware that Winnie does not like him. And he's kind of accepted it, I think. He just wants as much of a relationship with Winnie as he can possibly have. Like, he would love for them to be friends, even if that is it. He just wants to be around her. He wants to bask in her glow. Yes. To be in her orbit. Yeah, and he's very poetic. Every time he talks about Winnie or thinks about Winnie or anything like that, it's very romantic and, of course, you know, writerly like one would imagine a literary author might write. Mm -hmm. After Winnie is gone, she texts him and asks if he's joking. (laughs) And he's like, no. (laughs) I was not joking. And so Winnie calls him and she's like, you know, the first words you've ever said to me were to correct me. How can you possibly like me? In Byron's head, he's like, oh, she remembers the first words I ever said to her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I loved being in his head. And I loved waiting for it, too. I thought that was a good choice. Yeah, it was good when it was appropriate. So now we're back with Winnie. She's having trouble sleeping because she's finally realized that this weird discomfort awkwardness thing that she has around Byron is actually sexual attraction. (laughs) Surprise! She realizes, oh, wow, (laughs) my body chemistry is reacting quite violently (laughs) to to Byron's. And this is horrible. How could this be a thing? Nobody. No. Bad. (laughs) She has weird sex dreams about Byron. She, like, takes care of herself while thinking about Byron. It's, yeah, it's just this whole extremely sexually charged night for Winnie, and she doesn't sleep very well. And the next morning, Byron comes over for the video, as planned, of course, obviously. (laughs) He did not read any subtext into that phone call. (laughs) 
And Winnie told Amelia they were getting together. So they were. They finally talk it out a little bit. And she gets him to agree to stop offering unsolicited advice. He has stipulations for this. That during the duration of their agreement for the challenge videos, that he's allowed to call and text her. And she agrees to this because she's like, of course, I mean, you've always been allowed to call and text me. (laughs) And his other stipulation is that she stops asking him if he actually likes her and isn't joking. You no longer can hurt my feelings. I don't know. Did it hurt his feelings? I think on some level. I mean, it's not the same as like saying, I like you and then them laughing. Like, you know, it's like, it's not that kind of thing, but it's almost that kind of thing to be met with disbelief. Yeah, maybe. Because, I mean, that's what the laugh would be, right? I mean, it's just without the the laugh. Because it's like, right. no, not possible. Yeah, and he tends to take things literally. Mm-hmm. And he was really thrown off by her reaction. He thought in a best case scenario, she would let him down gently And they could go back to the way things were, Mm -hmm. which is sad. It is. But telling, very telling for him. He just wants to be in her orbit. Maybe his feelings were hurt. Yeah, I didn't really pick up on it. I mean, I just kind of assumed. I mean, it's not like they did that deliberately, but I would assume like, you know, you confess feelings for someone, but it's met with a sort of wave of disregard. I guess I took it as like he was frustrated by it instead of hurt because he's like, I told you. It may have manifested as frustration, but that doesn't mean that it's still not hurt. I mean, who knows? Yeah, no. And and the thing is, is like, I I think in some cases relate a little too strongly to Byron. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I told you the truth. Why won't you just effing believe me? Yeah. I mean, and maybe <laughs> I told you the thing. I told you it was fine and not your problem. So why are you making it a thing? (laughs) It seems very reasonable. (laughs) I get it. They decide to record the opposite attract challenge video, which is basically showing how they're unalike. And then they're supposed to dance, but they're best friends anyway or something like that. I don't watch any of these sort of challenges, so I'm assuming that they're based on actual challenges that have been popular on TikTok and other social media, but I have no idea. I think I've seen similar things. I don't know if I've seen these exact things, but I'm not very well versed in (laughs) whatever is popular, so I'm probably not the one to ask. Yeah, like, no, my my TikTok's like all sea shanties (laughs) and... <laughs> cute videos of cats mm. <laughs> you know it's, i don't get into the romance challenge tiktok very often book talk i'm on there yeah i must admit like i don't personally get the appeal i don't i don't get a lot of these challenges or getting invested in personalities that are online like if i want to watch something for content i just watch it for content i don't watch it for person that sounds bad that sounds mean yeah well they call it what the parasocial Mm -hmm. relationship or whatever where you're a viewer of someone else's social media content and therefore you feel invested in them as a person or like closer to them than you maybe otherwise would often because of the nature of 
certain social media, like vlogs, for example, things are revealed that you would normally reveal in a friend situation. And as a result, the people watching feel like that, but it's not mutual, obviously, because how can it be? Yeah, it kind of can get to a point where it's a little creepy, but I do think I have some parasocial type feelings about some people like uh there's some youtubers that i watch they mostly do let's plays of a video game i really enjoy they were friends outside of doing the video game and then when they revealed they Mm. were dating Mm -hmm. i was like oh that's awesome how good for them like i'm genuinely pleased for these people that i don't know at all (laughs) (laughs) you know and every time like they reference each other in their videos occasionally and it's just like oh (laughs) I think it's pretty mild, but it it is an experience that I can relate to on some level. And I think that these videos, like the romance challenge type videos in particular, kind of capitalize on that parasocial relationship in a way, don't you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, everybody can have different reasons for doing it, but it is sort of like a commodifying of the internet experience. I don't know. Like, I've never, at least I don't think I have developed any sort of long-term watching of a person so i don't i don't get invested in who they are so i can't i can't relate to her audience (laughs) and i also can't relate to winnie wanting that (laughs) but i understand (laughs) her goal of bringing science to the well not the masses but a particularly underserved group so i get that right but yeah i don't i don't understand I'm like, but why would they tune in? I don't get it. (laughs) Because they want to know what's going to happen. And that's the other thing that's interesting about Winnie and Amelia's whole plan about doing the romance challenges and having a story arc for them is that it is very much like Winnie suspects Mm -hmm. disingenuous to an extent because they're engineering a reaction in the audience that isn't to anything real under the guise of it being real yeah i mean it'd be different if it was in a movie because you know it's fake right and i think that's where the whole idea of parasocial relationships gets kind of sticky because no one is who they are on camera you just Mm -mm. can't be by being observed Mm -hmm. it changes it just that part of it changes it the hawthorne effect It's where people being studied will change their behavior because they're being studied. And so I totally get why Winnie keeps coming back to the idea of it being disingenuous. And I think that the book doesn't necessarily touch on that it is at the base of it. Posting a story on social media for engagement reasons is disingenuous. (laughs) I don't think it's wrong necessarily. I mean, a lot of things are disingenuous. I just assume... All that stuff is to a certain degree fake, and it must be to get attention, (laughs) even if it's real. So do I. A lot of it, anyway. I just automatically don't buy in. I'm like, oh, well, clearly they want attention because they're doing that. Do I care? For my personal example that I shared, I feel like, yeah, of course they talk about each other because they're capitalizing on each other's fame, right? You know, like they share an audience and by talking about each other and having each other guest in in videos occasionally and things like that. It expands their audience for both of them. So yeah, but I believe their relationship Mm -hmm. is real. 
even if they're being genuine with each other in their interactions, it's still for the audience at that point. Otherwise, it wouldn't be online. (laughs) Yeah. Recorded and posted by them. But I don't look down on them for that. But I do know that a lot of comments on those videos are like, oh, you guys are so cute together and oh, blah, blah, blah. And like people are like really invested in it. And that is where it gets sticky. Oh, and then there's the whole aspect of like, (laughs) this is, wow, we're really (laughs) in the weeds here. But there's also the whole aspect of like capitalizing on that, on that parasocial relationship for nefarious Mm -hmm. reasons too. Like um, there was a YouTuber I used to follow who it came out. He was finding dates through his followers. Oh. And that's, that's really creepy to me because it's an unbalanced relationship. And he insisted that there wasn't a power imbalance. Mm. But I kind of feel like there is just by the nature of... And there's delusion because that person who's making a date with him... Is going off of what they've seen of them online, which isn't who they really are. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's the power thing, but then there's also the lack of truthfulness. (laughs) Just inherent. (laughs) There's a lot of issues. (laughs) Yeah. No, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, we're pretty honest here, but I mean, we're also personalities of ourselves to a certain degree. Like, we're us. Yeah. Yeah. But we do curtail ourselves for here. I swear less. <laughs> yeah, or extend in my case. Like, I don't I don't sound nearly this excited about anything in real life. <laughs> you know, you know, you edit me. I'm way less rambly on here. You make me sound smarter than I am. Thank you for that. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it's, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a performance, but I mean, this is entertainment. Granted, we're entertaining ourselves, I think, probably more than we're entertaining anybody else. And that's perfectly fine. I'm here for that. (laughs) Yeah, but, but we are purposefully posting it online. Yes. Where anyone could partake. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it is performing because of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, I cut out. Yeah, I cut out all the things that are possibly <laughs> overly <laughs> negative about us. Negative or just too personal. Because <laughs> some things get a little personal. It's like, you know what? On second thought, I Maybe don't want that floating around in the webosphere or whatever the fuck we want to call it. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I am going to go back to our story because we've been recording for over an hour and we still have a lot of notes. Yes. You you did the notes good. (laughs) I was like, ooh, there's a lot. (laughs) So they record the video... While she's recording his part, because he's just supposed to sit there and be like himself, essentially. And then she's going to superimpose text about doesn't do social media, doesn't do whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Has the grumpy pants on. Yes, is Mr. Grumpy Pants. And then she'll post a video of her doing herself, whatever her opposite thing is. And then 
put in the video of like their hands, like holding hands as they dance over the camera. I had a hard time picturing it, but whatever. <laughs> but she's recording his part and she says he has sexy eyes. And then the sexual tension comes in like a big, like a fog. It's just like <laughs> comes into the room. <laughs> I don't know why I'm hearing this loud foghorn in my head now. <laughs> no, kind of, right? <laughs> Because it wasn't, and then it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sexual tension arrives. It's like, hello. <laughs> I missed you guys. Hello. They record the video of them dancing, and then they talk while they're dancing. And she says something about um, being dipped or something. I forget. But anyway, he dips her while they're dancing. And it's a surprise dip. And like I said, sexual tension, man. You could cut it with a knife. <laughs> Butter knife? Or a stabby knife? He abruptly leaves after this. He's like, okay, bye. <laughs> I don't even think he says bye. I think he just leaves. <laughs> and Winnie, of course, is like, you did not do the social dance. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> Amelia and her boyfriend, Elijah, are now back. And Winnie sort of overhears them talking about moving in together. Elijah has been pushing for it. And then Amelia comes in to talk to Winnie and Winnie shows Amelia the version of the video of her and Byron that they just recorded that she's edited. And Amelia's like, oh, yeah, that's really good. She likes it. Woo -boo. We're back in Byron's head. It's been a while. Winnie has not posted this video. Byron is kind of obsessing over it. He keeps refreshing her social media, waiting for it to post. <laughs> tick tock, tick tock. He decides he's going to text her to ask about it. And she calls him back and they have the disingenuous conversation where she says, you know, I feel like I'm gaining followers by being disingenuous. And he says, I disagree. But then he realizes that he doesn't have a good reason for being in disagreement, aside from the fact that he wants to continue recording videos with her <laughs> because he likes spending time with her. And Winnie, of course, wants to know why he disagrees because she's Winnie. And he realizes, I don't want to share these things, and I don't know what to say, and I don't want to lie. And to buy time, he tells her, well, come over, and we can talk it out. And she's all, okay, like, tonight? And he's like, um, or tomorrow, or, you know, in his head, he's like, or next week, you know, after I have a chance to clean the whole house and make myself presentable. And <laughs> when he says, no, I can come over tonight, I'm almost done at work. It's seven o'clock. Byron manages to swallow anything he says about teachers working after hours without pay. Good job, buddy. <laughs> she says, oh, I'll be right over and I'll bring dinner. Don't worry. Byron is like frantically showering, dressing, <laughs> cleaning up. <laughs> like, I just picture him like in his head like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> At one point, he accidentally drops his, he has an old school flip phone, and he accidentally drops his phone and it breaks. And he just ignores it and he cleans whole, like the kitchen and starts cooking dinner. He can't, he doesn't want her to bring dinner. He doesn't want her to do, like he wants to take care of her. Yes. And he's very aware of her gluten allergy as well, because he's like wiping down all the counters. So he doesn't accidentally, quote, poison her. <laughs> and <laughs> what things do I have in my pantry right now that she can eat? Steak. Mm -hmm. He feeds her steak and potatoes and it's yummy. He did a good job. 
they also do talk about whether or not it's disingenuous. And Byron kind of talks it out with her the way he would talk it out with himself if it were his issue. He says that one of the best ways to figure out whether or not you should do something is to decide what the point is. Like you have your vision for what you want your social media to be. And is this new type of content going to detract from that vision or enhance that vision? He tends to make decisions this way. Like, is it going to make the thing bad or good or indifferent? Because if it doesn't impact it at all, or it makes it better, then it's a good thing or it's fine to do was what I thought he Mm -hmm. was thinking. But this helps Winnie realize that the videos actually do enhance her original vision because it makes her more relatable It shows that she can be into STEM and also other stuff too, which is just exactly what Amelia argued earlier. When Byron was hurrying to get ready, he cut himself shaving. Winnie sees like the little blot of tissue on his neck to stem the bleeding and she goes to remove it and they're close. She's all happy with him because he helped her figure out that it was still okay to post these videos and he smells good And in all caps in my notes, I have sexual tension. OMG, will they kiss? No. Santa? Jeff interrupts. (laughs) They're they're like, it is, it is like a quintessential movie moment. They're there. She's up against the counter. He's in front of her. They're touching. He's leaning toward her a little bit. She's like lifting her chin up. And then Jeff is like, hi guys. (laughs) What you doing? <laughs> and then when he sees that it's Winnie, he is so confused. <laughs> Just so, so confused. He's like, are you guys filming right now? And he's like looking around for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy is there. She's trying to get Jeff to leave. Jeff is like, do, do you want us to leave, Winnie? Do you, do you want us to stay with you right now? Do you need, do you need us to be here right now? <laughs> And Lucy's like, no. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Because Winnie, of course, does her Winnie thing. She's like, oh, well, either way, it's fine. And Byron's like, I'm sure they have other plans that are not here. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jeff and Lucy finally leave. But, of course, the moment is lost. Yeah, Lucy was, like, practically dragging Jeff away, too. But Jeff's like, no, no, I want to stay. Yeah, it was really weird. (laughs) Jeff just keeps getting weirder and weirder. It is a weird, bumpy fall down a hill with Mm -hmm. Jeff. (laughs) Hitting the rocks on the way down. Yeah, it is one of those things, you know, like where someone falls and they're like from the top of a tree and they hit a branch and then they hit another branch. Initially, you're like kind of worried for them, but at a certain (laughs) point you're like, oh, ow, just take me out of my misery. And then there's there's a point where you're like, you know what? Hopefully they die soon. <laughs> Just knock them unconscious. <laughs> then you don't have to do the screaming. Okay, they finally eat dinner. Winnie wants to talk about all sorts of things that Byron doesn't want to talk about. And he grunts. And there's this quote I put in here. Um, the elusive art of the grunt. <laughs> <laughs> and Winnie kind of takes... <laughs> she kind of adopts that behavior from Byron too like she starts when she doesn't want to respond to something that he says she'll grunt (laughs) so they're just like uh whatever (laughs) Byron suggests they record another video after dinner and she 
says, yes, that sounds good. And then she also, she's still like, okay, so she's sexually attracted to him. She doesn't necessarily want to be. He says he likes her, but he acts like he doesn't want to like her. And so she suggests that they try essentially exposure therapy. Then he can cure himself from liking her and she can cure her biological responses <laughs> to him. The video challenge that they record this time is the head and lap video. So they cuddle on the couch watching a movie. She lays her head in his lap and he like tries to put a pillow under it. And it's like, no, yes, you definitely need a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I need a pillow. <laughs> and they're cuddling. He ends up laying on her lap and she's like running her fingers through his hair and she forgets that they're still recording. She's into it. It feels real to her. And then he abruptly gets up, grabs the phone, gives it to her and leaves. <laughs> again, bye. But he doesn't say bye. And he doesn't do the social dance. So again, when he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Winnie decides she needs to talk to somebody about it, but she doesn't want to bother Amelia because Amelia is friends with Byron. You know, she doesn't want to cause some conflict or something. So she decides to talk to her friend Serena instead. And she tells Serena her idea about exposure therapy, where the longer she spends with Byron, the more likely her reaction to him will diminish. Serena's like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. It doesn't work like that with people. Especially not people with feels. <laughs> Especially not when you have intense chemistry with those mm. people. <laughs> Winnie doesn't tell her about this guy, you know, so he's just basically a mystery guy. And Serena says, well, he's giving you mixed signals and maybe you should try dating someone else. And that will help. And she also warns Winnie not to fall in love with mystery guy on accident. Winnie has been trying to call Byron she wants to talk it out, I think. Like, essentially, she really wants to talk all this stuff out. And Byron does not want to talk it out. So she's struggling. And he's not answering her calls. And that's bothering her a lot. She feels like he's avoiding her. Amelia, though, tells Winnie that Byron broke his phone. And that's why he hasn't been returning her calls. And now Winnie's upset for other reasons. Because he's not considerate. Why didn't he let her know somehow that he broke his phone? Why didn't he email her or something? Why am I mad? <laughs> I don't know. She's like got herself all worked up because she's been obsessing over Byron avoiding her and then realizing that it was for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and Amelia is kind of feeling a little protective about Byron because she understands his reasons for why the way he is. Winnie decides she's been reading into things. So she's like, well, if he liked me enough... He'd ask me out, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously he doesn't like me enough for that. So I should just let it be. He's right. His feelings aren't my problem. And my feelings aren't his problem. Which, I mean, is true. Mm -hmm. But I like her impulse to communicate as well. <laughs> I think there can be a middle way. Yes, his, his complete lack of communication or willingness to communicate is very problematic. So a couple days later, Winnie has Byron's temporary phone number and she invites him over to record another video and he is extremely responsive. Like he's been waiting for her to text him and oh yes, of course I can come over right away. But armed with her new knowledge of feelings should not come into play here, 
she decides she's going to try to, I guess, kind of channel Byron, <laughs> sort of, poorly. <laughs> she decides to do the asleep challenge, which is where you film yourself pretending to be asleep and record what the other person does when they find you. So she gets it all set up and she pretends that she started napping right before he came over, which I found to be really unlikely considering he said he'd be over in 10 minutes. Yeah. He was really sweet. At first he thought she was sleeping and he tucks her in and he calls her Sleeping Beauty. It's mm -hmm. just so cute. And then he realizes she was faking it, but he's not really upset. He starts tickling her and he's like, why were you pretending to be asleep? And she likes it at first. And then she remembers, oh, wait, no, this is all fake. So she's like, okay, thanks. Got what I needed. Bye. <laughs> and she leaves and goes in her room and shuts the door. <laughs> and then she cries because she feels like crap for acting that way. The asleep challenge video that she posts goes viral. But now she's getting nasty comments. A lot of people don't think she's good enough for Byron for whatever reason. And they're really mean about it. That whole parasocial thing. Yep. <laughs> I, I think Winnie does a really good job handling online negativity, mm -hmm. honestly. You know, she's bothered by it a little bit, but she's like, you know what? Oh, well, not mm -hmm. my problem. She's not going to let it beat her down or make her think poorly about herself or whatever. Like, she just partitions it off. Like, nope, doesn't touch me. Not only that, but she's really trying to ignore everything about her social engagement at this moment because she's working on figuring out how she's going to be able to host a science fair next year. The school has decided, no, the funding you used last time is going somewhere else. Because limited resources. Uh-huh. Amelia comes in and says Byron and Serena are coming over for Stardew Valley. And when he's like, yeah, no, I can't because I'm busy writing grant applications for the science fair. Amelia is really sympathetic to this. She's like, okay, fine. We'll just leave you alone. And then Byron enters her room uninvited. <laughs> like, he just opens the door like, hello. He doesn't even say <laughs> hi or anything. <laughs> no greeting. But what he does do is apologize for leaving abruptly the other times. And he explains himself. And he says that he left before he could do something he might regret doing. And he even has a plan for the future where he says, in the future, I will leave, collect myself, and then come back when I feel I can. Dude, I'm like, yes, good job, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Winnie is like, oh, he gets overstimulated. Oh. So then she decides that maybe he has some sort of sensory processing disorder. And she has experience with that as a teacher. And so she is very open to this sort of interaction where, okay, well, now I know the rules. I'm okay. There are rules now. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and I really relate to both of them in this moment in the story. What Byron did, I totally got. I'm like, yep, 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 got it. And then what Winnie did was like, oh, good, rules. I like <laughs> rules. <laughs> I want to know how to behave in these weird situations. And she's like, well, do you want like a safe word or something? Byron, though, seems to think that this whole idea of him having a sensory processing disorder is something that she might pity or find fault with or make him lesser 
in some way and he does not want to have any of that happen because he wants to be worthy of her and he just he has a whole thing with i guess worthiness like he doesn't want to do anything that he can't excel at this is all tied up into the oh no i'm not perfect problem danger will robinson danger to be fair too when he kind of throws this out at him which was kind of messed up really yeah hey guy that i don't have a really good close positive relationship with you might have this thing (laughs) like no preamble no nothing in a way it's very unher because she's so sensitive about everything and for that to just pop out right because sometimes people aren't ready to hear that you know sometimes you can see something in someone and they're not ready to hear it they haven't made that journey themselves yet Mm -hmm. byron tells her he does not have a sensory processing disorder and he needs to leave and then he (laughs) leaves (laughs) and then we're in his head and the very first thing he does is have his manager schedule him an appointment (laughs) with an occupational therapist to see if he has a sensory processing disorder because he wants to prove winnie wrong (laughs) and he's thinking through this whole thing and he's like I don't leave because of a sensory processing disorder. I've left because, and he doesn't use this word, but basically he's overwhelmingly horny. (laughs) Like he becomes overcome and he doesn't want to act on it. And so he leaves, which is admirable. Although I could see why Winnie is put off by it. (laughs) Because there's a big difference between, hey, yeah, I'll be back in like 10 minutes after I take a cold shower and... Just abruptly leaving with nothing. No explanation, no nothing. (laughs) He also feels that he can't tell her how he feels or what he wants or anything. Like he can't progress in any confessions to her because she seemed so horrified when he said that he liked her. (laughs) And he's like, it is way bigger than just liking her. She didn't even handle that. Yeah. (laughs) How can she handle anything else? (laughs) He has like this obsession with worthiness and he wants her to confront him when he's being a jerk. He wants to do better, be better. He's like, if if I bothered you or upset you or said something wrong, I want you to tell me. How else can I know to change my behavior? Which again, I totally get. I'm like, yes, please. Just can't we all just be <laughs> honest with each other? <laughs> no. I am so vibing with Byron here. Human um, language <laughs> says no. Oh, and it turns out that he actually does have a sensory processing disorder. (laughs) (laughs) And right on the tail end of getting that news, Amelia calls him and he winds up telling her, kind of because he's caught off guard. (laughs) And Amelia's very, she's a very good friend to him. But through this conversation, he realizes that Winnie has never told Amelia that he confessed that he liked Winnie. He kind of assumed Amelia knew now. But Amelia doesn't know. (laughs) And Byron doesn't understand. So then he tells Amelia that he has a thing for Winnie. (laughs) And he tells her everything that happened the night of Jeff and Lucy's dinner party. And then Amelia, as all good friends do, says, I'm coming over. (laughs) (laughs) And while Byron is waiting for Amelia to arrive, Jeff comes in and he wants to talk to him about Winnie too. Because he has concerns And this was just gross. Like, this was the point where I'm like, Jeff, you suck. I hate you. Yes. Because he's like, oh, yeah, you know, we all love you, Byron, but you're not normal. (laughs) Uh. 
And we also learn that Byron's a virgin. Winnie is also a virgin. So that's fine. No one cares, really. It's not a thing. No one cares except Jeff. Jeff cares. He buys into the social construct. (laughs) It's important to him. (laughs) One of the things Jeff says to Byron, which is just so fucked up, he says, don't you think Winnie deserves someone more normal than you? (laughs) Asshole. I don't know why I fake coughed that. (laughs) Own it. That just feeds into Byron's feeling of unworthiness. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be worthy of Winnie. He wants to deserve Winnie. He wants to be better, do better, consistently and constantly improve himself to be the best Byron he can be. Yes. All of those things are, are fine, but he takes it to an extreme level. Yeah. And by the time Amelia comes over, Byron has shut down. He is not ready <laughs> to work on any of that because jeff was an ass cannot engage back in winnie's head it's the next day and winnie comes home to find amelia day drinking as you do (laughs) amelia is really frustrated about the situation with byron because when she arrived to talk to him he had shut down they discuss byron a little bit and winnie talks about all the stuff she likes about byron and then amelia says i think kind of hopefully You have the hots for him. (laughs) Because Amelia doesn't reveal Byron's feels. She's very respectful, I think, Mm -hmm. to the extent that she can be, being BFFs with two different people and respecting their privacy. Winnie does admit that she thinks Byron is perfect. And while Amelia doesn't really divulge what she knows, and what she knows is basically that Byron is hoping Winnie will do something, give him a sign that it is okay to move forward. <laughs> she basically gives Winnie her blessing. Like, yes, you should, you should do that. You should, you should see if Byron wants to go on a date or something. <laughs> you should, <laughs> you should try to progress that relationship. Yes, yes, do that. Come on, crazy kids. Uh, Winnie's been planning to dye her hair for one of her STEM videos. And Amelia says, oh, you should ask Byron over to dye your hair for you. (laughs) Winnie's like, yeah, Byron's not going to want that. And Amelia's like, oh, oh, yeah, he will. He will. He'll be okay with it. (laughs) So Winnie um, asks Byron over to help dye her hair. And he agrees. But he has a stipulation. (laughs) He wants a picture of her hair down in its current color and then when he shows up amelia is conveniently tired oh bye i have to go take a nap you guys go on without me it's fine when he apologizes for diagnosing him she's recognized that she overstepped byron says he doesn't want to label himself when he says that she doesn't dislike him anymore which i guess byron needed to hear because <laughs> he doesn't pick up on any context clues same Byron, same. And then they agree to be friends, but he has stipulations. <laughs> <laughs> he wants her to tell him if he makes her uncomfortable and he wants them to hang out more. And she's like, yeah, of course. They bleach her hair and film it and they talk during this whole process. It takes a long ass time. She's doing a time lapse of the process. As they're talking, things come out. He doesn't understand why she consistently is putting herself out there. He's only willing to give people how much he's willing to give and no more. And he just doesn't get how she's willing to continue to give and give. Like, what is she getting out of it? He doesn't get it. He finds out about the hateful comments on her videos. And Winnie's response is that, you know, it's fine. 
don't worry about it. It's okay. It's fine. Byron is like, this is not fine. This is not okay. None of this is good. I don't, why are you doing this to yourself? (laughs) And when he says that it's their job to ignore them and nullify their squeaky wheels by being awesome. (laughs) I really liked her perspective on it. Mm -hmm. So now time passes. Winnie and Byron are officially friends now and hang out and don't need an excuse to film videos. But now Winnie doesn't want to jeopardize the friendship that they've built by admitting feelings that are possibly unrequited. Why she thinks they're possibly unrequited, I don't know. (laughs) Because she's starting to understand Byron. She's starting to get it. He didn't tell her he didn't like her anymore. So... (laughs) One could safely assume he still does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's too uncomfortable for her to bring it up. He comes over and cooks her dinner and she asks him why he started liking her. And so he starts listing all these wonderful qualities about her, but none of them have to do with her looks. And now she's obsessing. Was he attracted to me then? I don't understand. (laughs) She asks him how much of the videos are pretend. And he's like, well, of course we're acting in the videos. We agreed to act in the videos. And then she admits to him. That she wasn't always acting. And then crap in her head. She's like, oh, well, obviously that means he's not attracted to me. Because if he was acting this whole time, he's just a really good actor. He's been fooling me this whole time. Oh, my God. It's me. It's all me. It's my problem. Ah! Spiral downward. (laughs) They decide to film the leggings challenge, which is apparently her trying on a pair of leggings that make her ass look amazing. And then modeling it for him and filming what happens. And so she does, and he can barely stand to look at her. Like, he's just like, ah, if I look at you, I won't be able to control myself. And she's like, oh, wow, he's just such a good actor. One could imagine that he actually feels that way. Wow, he's so good. That's amazing. She's like, you know, maybe I should get that other challenge video out of the way. The one I've been dreading where I have to kiss him. Let's just do that one, too. And so she kind of tries to show him, oh, hey, I'm still filming. She goes over to him and and kisses him. As she breaks the kiss, she starts feeling sad. Oh, it's all over now. Now I can't be physical with him anymore. We're just going to be friends. But then he kisses her again. And now they're laying on the couch making out. And she's like, oh, no, the phone is still recording. (laughs) Ah! And she tells him, no, it's still recording. It's still recording. So it stops. Everything stops. But... How will either of them know what's real or not? Ouija board? The powers of communication. (laughs) Ah, magic eight ball? Back in Byron's head, he's obsessing now because when he asked her if she wanted to stop kissing, she said no. But did she say no because it was for the video? Or did she say no because it was really okay? Like, I don't know what's going (laughs) on. And he's drinking and he gets drunk, which he never does. And he starts comparing himself to Miss Havisham. (laughs) And I got such a kick out of it. It's like he's all, yeah, except instead of a wedding dress, I'll wear a three-piece suit with no tie. And when I die, they could just bury me. They wouldn't even have to change me. And it's just very morbid and hilarious. (laughs) It didn't say this in the book, but I sort of was imagining him walking around with a dark towel over his head in lieu of a veil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could totally see it. Yeah. Winnie shows up at his house and finds him drunk. She's checking on him. She she wants to make sure things are okay. She wants to know if it was real or not. But unfortunately, he's drunk. 
She tells him she wishes he wasn't drunk because then she could tell him how much she loved what happened and how much she hopes he wants more than friendship from her. And she's taking care of him, trying to get him ready for bed and tuck him in and all that. And he says he wants to fuck her. And then he tells her exactly how in great detail. Because <laughs> he's been thinking about it for just a little bit. Yeah. And it is like intense details. Like, do you know what a spreader bar is? I want to tie you up. And it's like, dude, wow. <laughs> no filter. <laughs> And then as he's drifting off, he says he'll never tell her the truth, which is that he's loved her for years and he'll die <laughs> loving her. And then he pledges he'll learn to be the person she deserves. <laughs> and she tucks him into bed and cuddles with him. And he makes her promise to tell him the next day whether she actually wants to be with him. And he says, your safety and peace of mind is more important than my comfort or discomfort. And I think that's really his creed as it comes to Winnie. He wants whatever's best for her. If being run over by a car would be best for her, <laughs> he would do it. <laughs> I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's very sweet, though. It is touching. They both fall asleep. Winnie wakes up first, and she's awoken by Jeff having beautiful yet drunken singing in the other room. Perhaps a sea shanty. <laughs> Winnie's worried about Byron. And, oh, well, here, Jeff, let's get you into the kitchen so you don't wake Byron. And then Jeff tells her that he and Lucy broke up for good. And he asks her out again. And it's just, it gets really mm -hmm. creepy. Like, when he's trying to sneak away and Jeff is revealing things about Byron that he shouldn't, like, Byron's never had a girlfriend. And Jeff is crying now. And when he goes to comfort him and then Jeff forcefully grabs her and hugs her and asks for another chance and tries to kiss her and... Won't let her go, and it escalates to the point that she ends up having to slap him to make him let her go. Jeff is just an asshole. Mm -hmm. He's a total jerk. Being drunk makes him more of a jerk, and he's really super snide about the idea that Byron and Winnie could ever possibly be together. Yeah. Winnie manages to escape and go back to Byron's room, but at this point he's awake and pacing. It is time for them to have the talk, but Byron does not make it easy he tells her he remembers everything that happened and he said everything he needed to say and it's her <laughs> turn. Winnie is feeling like really weird because, you know, she just got mm -hmm. assaulted <laughs> and doesn't know how to have these types of conversations where you're just very blatant and tactlessly truthful. She says things like, well, we have a few options like we could date, but I'd want it to be exclusive. And he's like, well, are we getting married? Because Jeff made that comment about Byron not believing in monogamy. So Winnie misinterprets the thing, like, are we getting married? Like, oh, does that mean the only way you would be exclusive is if we were married? But she doesn't say that to him either. She hasn't said to him that she loves him back because I don't think she realizes she does love him back. Or I don't know if she does. I think she does, but whatever. She also doesn't seem to realize that that's what he wants. Like, he's... He is like, you know, I put everything out there. I gave you an itemized list of all the things. I want your itemized list now. Where is it? And she says, well, do you want to give things between us a try? And he's like, no, not a try. I don't want to try unless I'm guaranteed <laughs> success. And then she realizes finally that they're discussing two different things. She's talking about being more than friends. And he's talking about not ruining what they already have. And so she decides she's going to be very 
aware of his feelings and very solicitous of him and she says okay well we'll take things slow and see what our relationship turns into because it took him six years to get this far and he doesn't want to slide back unfortunately though i think if she had said to byron yeah no let's date let's be dating now he would be like okay let's date yeah he was willing to accept whatever parameters she was going to give him he just wanted Mm -hmm. to know what they were i think if she had said let's get married now he would have been like okay let's get married let's do it (laughs) I think, like, even before the story starts, he's all in. Because he has admired her from, I mean, not exactly afar, but from an adjacent location. A near. (laughs) For almost six years, maybe the entire six years. A long time. Yeah, he's been into her for forever. He doesn't want to fail at this. He doesn't like failure in general, but he really doesn't want to fail at this. Which... He is invested a lot in at this point. He's way more invested than she is. And that's part of the reason he's a virgin, too, because he has never wanted to be mm-hmm. with anyone else. He's only wanted to be with her. So why bother trying mm-hmm. to be with someone else? He picked his person. There she is right there. Her name is Winnie. And she had sort of picked Jeff <laughs> tentatively. Sort of. Yeah. Jeff was sort always of. with Lucy or other things stood in her way. Yeah, Jeff was conveniently unattainable. Yes. So the very next day, Byron leaves for his New York trip four weeks early. He has like this whole New York trip for his book deal. He has several interviews and the Jupiter Awards and all that. And when he was supposed to go with him and she instead is going to meet him there because he went early. (laughs) But he does send her a bunch of texts. And when he decides from context clues that he's just leaving because he needs space right now. But he doesn't want to be completely separated from her or anything. One of the texts, he asks her to send pictures. And so she decides she's going to send him sexy pictures. Yeah, she decides with Amelia's help. Well, no. First, she strips down, puts on sexy red undies, and takes a picture and sends it to him. Mm. Mm -hmm. And says, I'm going to wear this under my dress at the Jupiter Awards. Is this okay? Do you like it? Because she's asking a friend. She needs a friend's advice. Mm-hmm. Of course he likes it. Obviously he likes it. Yeah, and then she she tells Amelia her plan, and Amelia is all about it. And they go bikini shopping together, and Amelia helps her take more sexy pictures. And, well, which swimsuit do you think I should buy? That type of thing. And then Winnie not so subtly hints that, you know, she would be willing to offer him advice on things, too. <laughs> And Byron takes a picture of himself wearing, like, this tiny little towel and nothing else. (laughs) And is like, do you think this towel is too small? (laughs) (laughs) And they talk on the phone and they text and they send sexy pictures. But it's very um, compartmentalized. Yes. All the communication is in this friend sphere. But then they're also sending sexy pictures. And then they're not talking about the sexy pictures at all. Yes. While this is going on, Jeff tries to contact Winnie. He wants to meet up for lunch and apologize, and Winnie ignores him. Good job, Winnie. And back to the whole community manager thing. This is the whole reason Winnie started this whole thing with the social media relationship challenges. She still hasn't gotten an interview, and she's been waiting to be interviewed. And she asks Amelia about it. Amelia says, oh, don't worry. It's fine. Hmm. (laughs) Winnie isn't feeling really good. She's kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm starting to second guess. 
diversifying my content. Why did I count on this interview? It feels like it's been too long. So she starts applying to a bunch of different other possible jobs because she does need a side gig so she can pay off her student loans. And while she's out window shopping, trying to make herself feel better, she runs into the drama teacher from her school who congratulates Winnie on having the science fair funded. And there was a private donation at the last budget meeting that was discussed. And apparently the science fair is now funded for the next 10 years, along with some other stuff. And Winnie is like, what the crap? I didn't know this. (laughs) And now it's time for Winnie to go to New York. Amelia and her boyfriend Elijah join her on the plane. Winnie is planning to stay in the same hotel as Byron in her own room. And Amelia and Elijah got like an Airbnb or something. But their accommodations fell through. And so Winnie says, well, you can stay in my hotel room. But the hotel room turns out to be itty bitty bitty tiny tiny tiny. Oh my god. Like, they can't even close the door with the three of them in there. (laughs) Yikes. Byron shows up, says he'll handle it, don't worry. And then he and Winnie go off, and Amelia and Elijah go off, and they'll, they'll meet up later for dinner. Byron tries to book another room, or maybe a bigger room for all of them, but everything is booked. And he gets Winnie to agree to stay in his room, and Amelia and Elijah can have her room. And his room has a bed and a couch, so... He says he'll sleep on the couch, but when he's like, no, I'll sleep on the couch. It becomes a thing later. Don't worry. (laughs) They meet up for dinner. It's wonderful. But eventually Byron is getting overstimulated. Both Winnie and Amelia can kind of tell this. And so Amelia concocts some reason for him and Winnie to dip out early. Byron tells Winnie thank you for rescuing him from the noise and the people. And he kind of seems surprised that she's okay with that sort of thing. Like she's all, oh, yeah, no, it's fine. I get it. And he doesn't expect her to be okay with it. And he seems kind of grumpy about it even more than usual. And he says, you should expect more from me. When they go back to the hotel room, they watch a movie and she wants him to lay his head in her lap again so she can play with his hair, which was cute. Mm -hmm. At first, like he lays his head in her lap and she's like, oh, crap. Oh, no. Should I really do this? And he like grabs her hand and puts it on his hair. (laughs) Like, yes. (laughs) You said you were going to play with my hair. Play with it. I expect it now. She falls asleep while they're watching the movie. And when she wakes up, she's in his bed and he's sleeping on the floor because he doesn't fit on the tiny couch. He's not really asleep. And she says, you need to sleep in the bed. And she basically orders him to sleep in the bed with her instead of on the tiny couch or the floor. And he's like, well, if I sleep on the bed with you, then I will touch you. And she's all, that's fine. He's all, no, I will touch you. Like, touch you. It's okay. Get in the bed, damn it. So they're in bed cuddling. He says to tell him what she wants. And this is really what she struggles with, saying what she wants, advocating for what she wants. And she says that she wants them to be more than friends. And he says, okay, we're now more than friends. (laughs) It's that fucking easy. It has been decreed. (laughs) She's like, well, I want you to touch me. And he's like, fine you know so he doesn't say fine he touches her he says he's gonna do anything give her anything she wants and mutual masturbation and hotness ensue it's wonderful it's amazing but Winnie is now afraid because it's nearly impossible for her to ask for things she wants and how can she trust her heart with another person she must guard her heart (laughs) when they wake up in the morning it's a very sexy morning And then it's time for the interviews. 
Winnie goes with Byron to these interviews to basically observe and be his people buffer. She notices that the interviews kind of suck though, like they seem uninspired because it turns out Byron has a writer in his contract in order to keep everything very controlled. Like you may only ask these pre-approved questions and that is it, nothing else. Winnie reflects that while most people have internal boundaries, Byron's boundaries are external for everyone to see. They're basically the same boundaries. It's just his are right there, explicit. <laughs> and that's what makes him seem like eccentric or off-putting to other people. I thought that was a really good mm -hmm. insight. One of the interviewers asks a forbidden question about Byron's mother and keeps asking increasingly personal questions. And Byron's manager and publishing team are trying to get this interviewer to leave. And Byron just has kind of shut down. Like he just didn't respond and isn't responding and when he comes and sits on his lap and it's cute and then they leave for a lunch break and as they're on their way out one of the other interviewers one of the good interviewers stops and wants to actually talk to Winnie she wants an autograph from Winnie for her kids and she talks about how her kids love Winnie's science videos and her daughter has been starting to embrace being smart and being interested in other things that has conveniently coincided with the time when he started diversifying her content, which just, yay, validation. And then her son also relates to Winnie and is now interested in being an engineer. And it's just like, yay, success. And Byron is just like super into it. He's proud of her. Winnie is like happy. And then Byron has a epiphany and he tells her that he now realizes that Winnie measures success by the difference made not by money or fame. And he understands her drive to teach now. They make out during the rest of their lunch break. And then <laughs> in the middle of the next interview, Byron abruptly tells everyone, I need a half hour break. <laughs> and I think he pays his publicist or his manager something like 20 grand to get everyone out of the room so he can have his half hour mm -hmm. break. And then he and Winnie go into the bedroom of the suite where they were interviewing and Byron tells her he can't concentrate because she keeps looking at him like that. Of course, sexual tension arrives. And Winnie gives him a blowjob. And it's amazing. It's so hot. She's into it. He's into it. And then he comes. And oh, wow. She does not <laughs> like how that tastes. That is awful. Ew. <laughs> how do people do this? I don't know. <laughs> She's never given anyone a blowjob before. So she had no idea what to expect. <laughs> So she swallows anyway, through some heroic <laughs> effort. And now he wants to go down on her, but she's like, no, oh God, what if I taste like that to him? <laughs> and I'm excreting the whole time, not just at the end. This is horrible. <laughs> no, ah. And he realizes that something has changed. <laughs> and he's like, you need to explain to me what you didn't like about giving me a blowjob and why you don't want me to go down on you. And she's like, I am not discussing this. I don't want to talk about this. This is a closed subject. She wants to have sex with him. She's like, maybe I'll just go find a condom. And he's like, I'm not ready for sex with you if you're not ready to discuss what just happened. And she's all, what, you're going to punish me now? Which I think was a bit much, honestly. I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, you know, hey, if you can't be open and honest with me about the sexual experience we just had, I don't want to progress yeah. it. <laughs> I think that's completely it's reasonable. Not punishment, dear. Winnie nopes out for the rest of the interviews that day. 
Byron deduces that it must have been the taste of his semen and he rightly deduces that she's probably worried she won't taste good to him. And he's obsessing about this all through all of the final interviews. And part of the obsession is convenient for us as readers because we learn what he's been doing these four weeks while he was in New York. (laughs) He's been seeing an intimacy and sex coach. He's been seeing a therapist with an expert in sensory processing disorders. He's taking cooking lessons for gluten-free meals. And he took a short course on classroom management so he can better understand Winnie's work. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone on this journey of self-improvement. That's why I was like, he literally knows all about our houseplants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He goes to find Winnie and as he's heading out, he gets stuck in the elevator with the nosy interviewer from before. And he's kind of off put and rude to the interviewer. And the interviewer is totally baiting him. Yeah. And then um, after that horrible interaction, he goes and hides to calm down and then goes to the hotel room. It's now been 45 minutes since the last interview. Winnie is in the room. She's calm. She's chill. She sees he looks upset. She offers to cuddle on the bed. And then Amelia calls. And while the phone is ringing, Byron sees on the computer that Winnie has been applying to other jobs. And he finds out that Winnie didn't get the interview yet for the community manager position that she wanted. And Winnie's like, everything's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And Byron's like, I don't understand why you're dismissing your feelings. Why? Why are you dismissing your feelings? It is obviously not fine. (laughs) Why didn't you tell Amelia about this? Amelia would have helped. She wants to help. Why didn't you tell her? (laughs) When he's like, I don't know. Everything's fine. I'm going to answer the phone. (laughs) Amelia says she's calling because she just discovered that Winnie's not on the final list of candidates. And she's going to take care of it. And she wanted to let Winnie know. And Winnie's like, no, no, it's fine. I was never interviewed, Amelia. It's okay. It's totally fine. And Amelia hangs up on her. (laughs) Byron says that it's not a bother to ask your friends for help. He's still stuck on it. And then he realizes, he finally, finally realizes it's not him. It's her. Winnie has been trying to manage everyone else's feelings. Mm -hmm. He gets it now. He didn't need to be better for her. (laughs) She was trying to manage him. (laughs) He suddenly asks if she's in love with him and she tries to deflect. And he says, that is the problem right there. I want you to expect things from me. And he says, quote, if you're not willing to bother Amelia, your closest friend of six years, who's proven herself countless times, how can I ever trust you to bother me? And when he finally says that she wants to be honest with him, but what if when she's honest, he doesn't want her anymore? And then he says that she's unwilling to risk anything for him and leaves. So it's very similar to the night he was drunk and she came and took care of him and he laid everything out there, but then they had the talk about it and she wanted him to participate in the conversation and he just wanted her to give him an itemized list of her side of it. He figured his side was already something that happened. Mm-hmm. Winnie's crying because Byron left. Amelia arrives. Apparently that's why she'd hung up. She finds Winnie crying. Winnie says, 
Byron told me he loves me and I am not worthy of him. I'm an emotionally stunted scaredy cat who doesn't trust anyone or expect anything out of life except disappointment. And now he's gone and I don't even care about climate change. <laughs> and if I trusted him, if I'd been honest and asked for what I wanted, if I'd been brave, then I wouldn't feel like this. <laughs> ah. <laughs> she lets Amelia comfort her while she tells her literally everything that happened. Literally everything from the beginning of the book, which took approximately two and a half hours if we're judging by how long we've been recording <laughs> and then <laughs> and i'm trying to be fast i know i know you are amelia says when you don't tell people who love you the truth and they're counting on you telling them the truth you make everything harder for everyone so she basically explains hey you know what you're trying to manage everybody and you're making it harder for them instead your managing isn't working and she's like, I always have your back. And when he's like, I don't know, because you're going to move out with Elijah, then where will I be? And Amelia's like, dude, when am I moving out with Elijah? I didn't <laughs> tell you that I was going to do that. I would never do that without considering how it would affect you. I would never do that without telling you. I would like, dude. <laughs> and then when he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't trust you. And then Amelia says, Winnie, I'm sorry your aunt and uncle taught you that no one can be trusted, that the only person you can count on to be good is you, but they were wrong. Don't let them rob you of believing in other people. Very good advice. Mm -hmm. Winnie goes to bed. The next morning, she texts Byron and says that she wants him to come back and give her a chance to make things right. He doesn't answer right away. And so she's like, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to take a shower. And in the shower, she gives herself this big old pep talk. I'm going to be the new Winnie. I'm going to ask for what I want. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to be good. I have improved myself. Woohoo! I have made a choice. <laughs> when Byron comes back, Winnie is wrapped up in a towel looking for her clothes. And instead of getting dressed or anything, she just starts right away telling him all her truths. Why did you leave for New York early? I hated that. And I don't want you to leave me ever again. And why do you always cook for me? I want to cook for you too. And I don't want you to come in my mouth anymore because it's gross. And I don't want you going down on me because I'm worried it'll be gross for you. And he's like, okay, but can't I decide that? <laughs> and then they keep talking and I think finally understand each other. And she says she's not comfortable with pushing him out of his comfort zone, but she's willing to stand up for herself. And she says she dis she's discovered the place where she can do better is to actively seek what she wants instead of just settling for what she's been given. They decide, they agree. They're finally going to talk about their respective childhood traumas. But first, Byron has more interviews. <laughs> After the interview break, they get to have their crappy childhood discussion. Yay. Woo. Um, she tells him all about her crappy uncle. He is very good in this conversation. Afterwards, she asks him if that video is really what made him delete all his social media. There's this video that went viral a long time ago of him comforting a crying fan. And once that video went viral, Byron deleted everything and he stopped being public whatsoever and he says yes but then he tells her the whole story he says his parents got pregnant really young they were like 15 and he was adopted by his paternal grandparents because his bio mom didn't want to have kids his grandparents died when he was eight and after that he lived with his dad he doesn't really respect his dad because his dad enjoys being pitied and one of the things that his dad did that byron does not respect is that he used Byron's differentness to garner pity for himself. Like, oh, look, my kid. Ah, my life is so hard because of my kid. 
he's different. Oh no. Mm-hmm. And then not only that, but his dad got remarried and the wife enables this behavior. So after the Comic-Con video that went viral, one of his bio mom's students showed it to her because his bio mom is like super smart and brilliant and teaches at a university and stuff. They filmed her reaction to the video of him comforting this fan. She said, and this was filmed and posted and also went viral. She said, everyone makes mistakes in high school. I'd appreciate if you didn't show me videos of mine. And that's kind of what has colored Byron's life. (laughs) That's why he didn't go on social media. And that's why he has such explicit boundaries. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. They kind of talk until they both pass out, I think. And then the next morning, she finally lets him go down on her and gives him feedback. So it's good. And then it's really fucking amazing. And he loves it. And she's like, oh, I guess I didn't need to worry about it. And then Amelia has left her a voicemail saying when he now has an interview for the community manager position, but there's other stuff she needs to tell her. And then Byron admits to Winnie all the things he did while he was in New York without her that he did to deserve her. He includes the sex coaching thing because he's a virgin. And he admits that Winnie is his first everything. Like she's his first kiss. And then Winnie says, oh, well, I'm also a virgin and I'm on birth control. So conveniently, now we don't need condoms. Yay. And then she tells him she loves him. Yay. Yay. So that's really good. And then she calls Amelia back and Amelia asks her about the auction. Oh, Byron's publisher donated those books to the school for that auction to fund the science fair. And his agent wants a quote about the funds and what they'll be used for. And when he's like, um, that's not good. Because earlier she had made Byron promise not to help her with the funding. But Byron found a loophole because technically it was the publisher who donated the thing. It wasn't him. (laughs) Mm. She feels betrayed, but also like not really. She's just kind of annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) And then Amelia tells her, oh, yeah. And then there's this other opportunity to do a partnership with this cosmetics company. That's actually better for you than the community manager position. So, yay, you have opportunities Woo-hoo. now. And now it's time for the award ceremony. On the way there, Winnie confronts Byron about the donation thing. And it basically boils down to, hey, when you promise me something, you need to keep your promise. And he's like, no, you're right. I'm sorry. And now everything's fine. So it turned out to be not a big deal. And then we get an epilogue. So seven months later, um, we find out that the rude interviewer had turned their three-minute elevator ride into an article that denounces Byron as entitled and talentless. And Byron is now being interviewed by the nice interviewer that wanted the autograph from Winnie, and it's an exclusive that Winnie basically talked him into. And he's also doing a meet-and-greet for the people who bought the books for the auction at the school. And we learn Byron joins the Stardew Valley Co-op. Everyone compares him to Sebastian, one of the characters in the game, which is totally accurate. (laughs) We also find out Byron kicked Jeff out of his house after Jeff confessed his actions to him. And then Winnie took the cosmetics partnership. And then at the very, very, very fucking end of the book, they have sex. And then it's the end. I have to say, I was a little disappointed by how quick ended like that last bit i told you that epilogue i was like that could have been book though like why is this an epilogue i want more yeah it did feel <laughs> like it ended abruptly 
I would have been okay with ending in the limo ride and then no epilogue. Adjusting how much space was given to other things to have that be sooner. Yeah. Although in that author's note that I talked about earlier, she mentioned that she didn't intend for the book to be as long as it turned Mm. out to be. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe she was trying to save space or something like, and then all these other things happen in the end. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. But it impacted my enjoyment. It did. I think for me, and I'm not saying it was wrong to do this, but so much of the book was them not communicating. Really just not communicating to the point where I was sort of sitting there going, you know what they need is a mediator or a third person. Amelia needs to step in. Amelia's (laughs) their third. I don't, I don't care. Like, I was a little frustrated at certain points. I'm like, somebody needs to give. Because neither of them are giving. And I mean, it's not that it's not enjoyable. I really like Penny Reed's writing. But it's just the constant, the two heads bashing together. The stalemates. Yeah, there was a lot of focus on the misunderstandings aspect of the Mm -hmm. relationship. Once that obstacle had been passed, everything clicked and it was fine. (laughs) I really wanted like a Byron Jeff conversation. Yeah. That felt really unresolved to me. Yes, I agree. You know, I mean, the reporter thing, that could have been, you know, that was fine. Too. All the other stuff, I feel like, you know, it's fine that that was an epilogue. But the Jeff thing, I felt, really should have been in the book proper. Because of how continuous it, continuously it was addressed during the story. I mean, it's not like I assumed Jeff was still going to be a part of their lives. But for their friend group, their relatively small friend group, which, yes, other people are alluded to. And I think there's one scene with Serena. He and Lucy keep coming back. And I was surprised that that was just like a bye. <laughs> like, wait, what? By the way, fuck you, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's true. I was also disappointed that the first time they have penetrative sex was in the epilogue. Mm-hmm. Part of it, I think, is okay because... You know, it's made to be such a big deal. And then at the end, it really isn't a big deal. They kind of build it up to be a big deal. And then in the end, it isn't a big deal. It's just, it's good, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not like a relationship changing event, really, you know? And so it's fine maybe to be in the epilogue, but it's felt weird to me. Like I would almost rather that it didn't happen in the book at all and than for it to happen Mm. in the epilogue. Because, I mean, there's plenty of sexual encounters in the book and i mean penetrative sex isn't the end all be all of sex mind you so whatever Mm -hmm. right does it matter if it doesn't matter enough to get its own scene in the book then it doesn't matter enough to be in the epilogue i think point taken (laughs) emma's like i am not discussing this (laughs) well no i mean i just i don't know it was fine that's where it ended up that's where it ended up i mean it was i don't know if it was weird it was just that's that's where it ended up The Jeff thing felt more like a thing than where the the penetrative sex ended up (laughs) (laughs) to me. But I'm like, but what about Jeff? No, I I agree with you. I think the Jeff thing needed more of a resolution. Absolutely. And I think it impacted the story more than where the penetrative sex ended up. However, this is a romance book where they have sex. Why was it in the epilogue and not in the body of the story? That's just my point. Penny, why? <laughs> How was the audiobook? 
So the book was narrated by Cielo Camargo and Patrick Boylan. I felt like they represented their characters well. So it was well narrated. Were you happy for their happy? I was happy when they finally started communicating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like they'll they'll be happy. Yeah, I'm happy. It's fine. (laughs) Is the miscommunication trope a bit much for you in this book? It was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I felt... I'm happy for them, Yay. for sure. I think that those two crazy kids are going to make yes, it. Yes, I think so, too. I think they're good for each other. Yes. It's believable. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of couple time where they're settled, mm-hmm. but I think we got enough about them and them together and their chemistry to be able to intuit that, you know, this was really probably the only major hurdle they had to overcome. Yeah. Which is the two completely opposite communication styles. Yeah, they balance each other well, and they'll be good for each other. So let's rate them. How do you rate Winnie? I rated her awesome. Me too. She was well depicted. I liked her aspirations. You know, she felt real to me. And yes, she could be irritating. But that's just because I was like, please say what you want. Please open your mouth. Just say something. (laughs) But did you relate at all to that feeling of like almost being gagged? Like I would rather die than have this thing come out of my mouth. Yes. I think that that was the feeling she got about expressing her wants. Yes. No, no, it was relatable. I found that really relatable. Yeah. Just because a character can get on my nerves, that doesn't mean that they're a bad character. That just means that they're real or realistic. Yeah. And yes, that's it adds to the frustration because you're just just, just fucking say it. <laughs> <laughs> Spit it out. I don't know if you've had that experience, but where you're literally like, just say the words to yourself. <laughs> Make the words come out of your mouth. <laughs> Let them be moderately at least no, articulate. You- <laughs> like Urgh. Usually it's either I have thought excessively about this and I will never say those words (laughs) or I need to say those words. So I'm going to say them now. Here you go. (laughs) Cope. (laughs) Here are the words. Do you need a blanket? Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) So what about you? What what's your assessment of Winnie? I thought she was awesome. I really liked her character. I agree. She was really well-rounded. I really liked her focus on STEM and women in STEM. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. A cool thing to have in a book. Um, and even though she was a teacher, the focus was really on that. And so we had a fun, interesting, less stereotypical heroine, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, less stereotypical in some ways, but stereotypical in others. Because I think a lot of heroines don't want to yeah. say what they really want. And it's considered acceptable because she's not supposed to say what she wants. Yeah, I meant more like um, job-wise. Yes. You know? Like, because she's a teacher, but she's... But the focus isn't on her being a teacher or anything. The focus is on her her social media stuff and her side gig. Yes, her aspirations to reach girls at that age where they typically start to get more attention. Because mm. it's, pu- it's prepubescent, pubescent ages. And so it makes sense why they would steer away from careers or academics that tend to be more male as always with the hard-hitting insights there (laughs) Ah. 
<laughs> Never thought about it that way, but it makes sense. Sorry. Oh, Gross. Ew. My brain is not somewhere anybody wants to be for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> not even me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was she was really cool and relatable mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I really could kind of relate to her whole people pleasing mentality where it's easier just to try to manage everyone else's feelings than deal with the fallout of a feeling like you made them feel negatively or even managing your own feelings or her own feelings she doesn't manage her feelings she manages everyone else's feelings that's the problem yes her feelings are fine like everything's fine (laughs) i guess manage was the wrong word I shouldn't have said manage. I meant ignore her own feelings. Yes, she diminishes her own That's feelings. That's the word I meant. That's the part I related to. Read my to. mind, why? <laughs> I'm good at that. You are. After this many years, you should. You are quite exceptional at reading my mind most of the time. <laughs> we have. Gold uh, star. Same. So I think that's the part I related to most, like the idea of... You know, my feelings aren't important. They're not as important as everyone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. Which, what kind of horrible things does that say about me? But there you go. It's, and it, it's not a you thing. It's a women thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, huh? And I think in our society, I mean, not exclusively ours. And please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't mind being wrong. I am wrong frequently. Women typically are praised for managing other people's feelings. Only it's presented in a different way you're caring about them yeah it's like no caring about them is treating them like they're a person which means letting them have their feelings (laughs) and there's also an element of blame Mm -hmm. right you made that person feel bad Mm -hmm. by wanting something that they didn't want to give you Mm -hmm. or by sharing that they inconvenienced you Or by letting them feel their feelings instead of trying to make everything better. Mm -hmm. How dare you? How dare you be a bad woman and not behave? I aim to misbehave. That emotional labor is yours. (laughs) And you will be paid less for it. Sorry. (laughs) We don't. We don't value it at all. But we expect Mm -hmm. it. Totes. Yeah, no. Totally. All right, what about Byron? I labeled him awesome. Yay, he doesn't like labels. Bad you. (laughs) Well, too bad he's getting stuck on his forehead. Deal. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Cope however you see fit, buddy. He will, don't worry. (laughs) I'm not worried. (laughs) He asserts himself. I'm not worried. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of along the same lines as Winnie. Like, he came across as a person to me. So, yes, frustrating sometimes, but it's because he's realistic. And he, too, like Winnie, there were things that he didn't want to pay attention to. But when they were brought to his attention, he addressed them. I freaking loved Byron. (laughs) I thought he was amazing. He was awesome. He was grumpy pants. Mm -hmm. And you know how I feel about grumpy yes. pants, as I always say. His underpants were grumpy sometimes. like And delicious. <laughs> but he was also very well-rounded. Who mm-hmm. well-rounded. <laughs> uh, multifaceted. Ooh, faucet. No. <laughs> um, 
I found him very relatable as well. So I, I appreciate when there's a character that I feel like, oh, the writer peeked in my brain. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it's dark in there. It's a little spooky. <laughs> Yay, spooky. It's fun. It's like, oh, I feel seen, <laughs> you know, and I think that, that that's a big a big thing when you're reading. You know, it's nice to feel seen sometimes. Yes. I think that he was done really, really well. And I love that he carried a torch for Winnie and had that pining element to his character. And yet he was kind of disgusted with himself for it, too. <laughs> yeah. It was sad and cute. For a fictional character, it would, it's cute. For real life, it's not. Yeah. Really. Um, kind of creepy in real Yeah, life. I wonder, this is, I think this is one of the reasons I wanted to have a, a Jeff Byron confrontation is because I wonder how much of Byron feeling bad about his feelings for Winnie and maybe to a certain extent not pursuing them was because of Jeff. Dude, Because yeah. as soon as Jeff no is kidding. free, because Lucy cheated and he's like, well, no more, no more with her. He doesn't go to Winnie, but... He pursues her when she's standing in front of him. He expects her to be waiting in the wings. She's his back burner bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, it made, made me wonder. I wanted that scene. No kidding. But yeah, Byron was awesome. He was wonderful. I love him. I need a pet Byron. <laughs> Get a cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, what about the antagonists and villains? Speaking of Jeff. <laughs> of course, Jeff makes the list. It's tricky because I felt like he was exceedingly effective. However, there wasn't that scene that I needed. So I, I have issues. I felt like there was there was more with him to be dealt with. So tentatively effective. Because I was kind of going back and forth. It's like, oh, he's a good guy. Oh, he kind of seems like a shit. Oh, he's a good guy. Wait, that seems shitty. And I liked that. <laughs> yeah. I really, 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 truly liked that because so many times it's like, oh, no, he's a shit. And there's no like there's no questioning it. You just you know that they're villainous. Yeah. Oh, he has a black hat on. Yes, exactly. Unfortunately, because black hats totally distinguished. And also with Lucy, because yeah. with her, it was easy to just villainize her. But then she does have that nice little moment of, hey, Let's leave those two crazy kids together. Of course, Jeff doesn't want to go. Right. She and Winnie kind of have a connection. They meet eyes and you get like this flash of understanding almost between the two of them. Yeah. And so I think, I I doubt that Penny Reed would do this, but I would love to to get more of Lucy's story. Like have her be a heroine in another book or something. Although she cheated, so I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a romance no-no. If a heroine has cheated on a character, maybe not the hero, obviously, because I doubt Jeff would be the hero of any book. Cheating is very controversial in romance land, that's for sure. Also, Winnie and Byron, you know, obviously for their own issues that sort of keep them away from one another. They are antagonistic. I agree completely about Jeff. I thought he was very effective, but needed that scene at least that scene at least he was really well written though because he still doesn't feel evil yeah he's just like a jerk 
Yes. And you say that he couldn't, like, he probably wouldn't be a hero, but I could see him potentially being a hero. Okay. It would have to be, like, late, like, let's say Penny Reed turns this into a series. Mm-hmm. His book would have to be, like, book four or five or something. Okay. We'd have to have more Jeff in the sidelines. More growth. Yeah. And same for Lucy. I think she could be a, a heroine for sure. Because she obviously had some sort of issues due to all this anger and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she cheated. That is extremely controversial, the cheating. But I think if it's done right and it's not on the hero of the book, it's probably okay. Probably yeah, I'm just, I'm curious about Lucy, because I know she was really frustrated when they had their dinner party. I would have been pissed off, too. Exactly. If, if my significant other in, invited people I didn't expect. It, <laughs> like, oh, by the way, you have extra guests I didn't tell you about. Yeah, and maybe, <laughs> maybe Lucy picked up on the fact that Winnie had had at least a crush on him. Yeah. What the F you invited this woman who... Yeah, a little jealous or possessive. Exactly. It makes total sense. I mean, certain things, it sort of depends on the gathering. Like, sometimes you want only certain people to be there, and some things are more open. But that's really a discussion that needs to be had. But yeah, I I didn't feel like she was a villain in that moment. I was like, Jeff, dude, no, you, you tell when more people are coming. Or talk it out or something. Jeff was just... I seriously, I freaking love the character of Jeff because I hate him so much. <laughs> he definitely hit every branch down <laughs> on that tree. He started out at the top at like this idealized version of a guy. Oh, he's just like a male version of Winnie and likes all the things she likes and does all the things she does. And oh, of course he'll help her. And he's cute and funny. And oh, wait, no, actually, he's kind of weird because he groped her and he kissed her and doesn't follow the instructions. And oh, oh, wow, he bailed on her. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then, oh, he creepily traps her and Mm -hmm. tries to kiss her and drunkenly assault her. And and then there was that moment with Byron where he's just getting on him about how he's not normal enough for Winnie. And so, mm-hmm. like, dude, wow. <laughs> wow, you have hit literally every branch, every single one. You are slime. Wow. May I put some salt on those wounds or would you like to do it yourself? <laughs> but we didn't get the thud on the ground. Yeah. Oh, that's an excellent way to put it. Yes. And we don't know why Byron kicked him out. I mean, we assume it's because of the thing with Winnie, because Jeff told him what he did with Winnie. Like, he confessed. Byron does mention that Winnie did eventually tell him. But I want Byron to kick him out because he's an asshole. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, definitely Jeff. I thought he was great as a villain. Lucy, I didn't really see her as villainous. She was just kind of... Jeff's significant other and we don't really know anything about her no I mean she was maybe the light villain in the beginning when we liked Jeff when we're like oh he's the male Winnie we may have yeah been like "Ooh, what's her deal eye her with suspicion but yeah by the end definitely not and I put Winnie's uncle mm. mm-hmm. because he kind of shaped the form that Winnie's trauma took. Because, I mean, she says, like, he yelled at her. There was a part in the book that was really shocking where she thinks about how she had to be very careful not to act like she wanted or needed anything because then 
her uncle would actively not give it to her. Yeah. And then yell at her for making mistakes. Yeah. So I found him effective, even though he he wasn't present on the page. He was present in Winnie's life as part of her character. Yeah, he's present in her behaviors. And then I put Byron's bio parents because they inflicted trauma upon Byron. The mom, less so, although she is kind of the bio mom because she's kind of really horrible how she responds to that video. But it kind of makes you wonder if that's where Byron gets his behavior from because yeah, maybe. she didn't necessarily say anything that I couldn't picture Byron saying. Yeah. And if you look at it through that lens, you're like, oh, well, she probably didn't take into account how that could possibly affect this person. She was just speaking her truth as she saw it. Yeah. But that kind of makes it worse, though. <laughs> like, it makes me feel worse for Byron. <laughs> that She just completely doesn't give a shit. <laughs> she didn't say it to make him feel bad. She just doesn't care <laughs> at all. Not even a Which little bit. Which is weird for us to think of a mom being that way. Or a bio mom or, yeah, because she, she had nothing to do with his raising. But you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, up to that point, I didn't have a problem with her. Okay, you got pregnant, you ended up giving the baby up for adoption, and then you went off and lived your own life. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. you. You do you. And separating her feelings from that I totally get like the idea of wanting to compartmentalize or divorce yourself from having any feelings with that baby whatsoever because you've decided they're not going to be part of your life so why keep that at the forefront mm -hmm. right I mean all that made sense I don't have a problem with any of that it's just like the the thing that she says and she probably said it because she just really literally didn't care yeah the dad, I kind of wanted a little bit more about Byron's dad because it alludes to the idea that he kind of has um, not really Munchausen, but it's kind of like Munchausen-esque where mm. he thrives on people feeling bad for him and, you know, that type of yeah. thing. Like, oh, if he got sick, I'm sure he'd make much of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he faked sickness, but kind of along those lines, he would take advantage of whatever pity he might possibly get. I would have liked a little bit more. About mm -hmm. the dad, but I thought he was effective. There was the crappy interview guy. I thought he was kind of the cartoon villain in the story when the real villain is Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he was kind of ineffective because it didn't really matter. No, and I think it's interesting to look at how Winnie has to do all this stuff to get noticed. And where Byron, it's like he can he can behave exceedingly rudely, but it's fine. And granted, there's there's lots of things at play, not just gender, professions and whatnot. Right. I think that that character was less of a villain and more used as a way to expose his backstory. Well, his backstory and then also how Byron would handle being confronted by mm -hmm. it to expose... Byron feeling overstimulated or whatever during the interviews, mm -hmm. you know, something that would cause that to come up and then also give him a reason to need to chill out and space out because he takes that whole like he literally chills. He goes and chills in the ser in the service kitchen, I think he does. He's cold when he comes back to find Winnie because he's been in the fridge. <laughs> 
He literally went to chill. Yeah, he went to chill. And so I think it gave us an opportunity to see kind of Byron's self-care. But I kind of feel like we could have had that without this character. He didn't really seem to serve any other purpose. Yeah, maybe. So how did you rate the book? I gave the book a four. I really liked it. I was very entertained. I also gave the book a four. Initially, I wanted to give it a five. And then as I was getting ready to mark it on Goodreads, I was like, uh, but the thing <laughs> with Jeff. <laughs> oh, Jeff, you really are villainous in so many ways. <laughs> but I freaking love Penny Reed. It was so good. I know. Every page was beautiful. She's a dependable one for me. Is it bad to rate lower because you want more? <laughs> no, because it means you didn't. Why did you stop writing? <laughs> it's it's based on enjoyment, right? Yeah. So if you're left wanting. That is what we agreed. And we do yes. what we agreed. We, we do try. <laughs> Just like Byron I mean, says. Life, but we do try. <laughs> well, did you feel romanced? I Yay! did. Of course I did. Because grumpy pants. How can one not feel romanced by grumpy pants? You sound so reluctant about it. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, I thought they were great together. They had really good chemistry. I liked the whole thing where Winnie interpreted the chemistry as, ah, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> and then there was that talk she had with Serena, I think, where Serena's like, yeah, no, that's like the best part, though. <laughs> <laughs> when he's like I don't see that no. <laughs> and all the cuteness with like when we get into Byron's head and like how he's just so obsessed and <laughs> I really liked it I thought yeah I did what about you did you feel romance I was charmed and entertained but not romance uh... Why? I like Penny Reed's books. I got what I wanted. Why not, though? I don't know. I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. What else have you been reading? Well, I'm still reading. I'm about three or... Yeah, I think it's three. Uh, chapters into The Demon Haunted World by Carl Sagan. And it originally published in uh, 1996, but... The audiobook that I'm listening to was published in 2017, and it's narrated by Carrie Elwes. Ooh. Oh, I know. Sagan takes a skeptical scientific look at pseudosciences and fantasies that humans perpetually turn to in times of trouble to comfort themselves, as well as instill their lives with wonder. Huh. Who doesn't like to discover wonders and things? But I want them to be real and provable. I know. Some of them I'm like, but I want it to be real. I appreciate that it isn't, <laughs> but I want. Which is probably why I write. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he gets it. Like, it is interesting because I'm not very far in, like I said, chapter three, where he talks about getting inspired by the 1939 World's Fair. It's interesting to read about his personal experiences. And he gets it. He understands wanting to find wonder. However, he wants the wonder to be real. So do I. So science, which is, you know, the knowing. The science isn't the knowing. 
The science is the trying to find out. Yes. That's what I was, as I said it, I was like, nope, nope, correct myself. Yes. <laughs> is the way of finding out. The testing. And he points out like the frustrations with wanting to have absolute truth and why certain things seem very appealing because they present themselves as absolute truths. But science can't really do that because it's always like, yes, but we we have to leave room for error. We have to leave room for finding. We're still testing it forever. Exactly. So it just reminded me like when I was a kid, you know, and people say, oh, always this or always that. I'm like, but when does your always begin? From what point do you mean always? <laughs> yeah. I was a frustrating child. Question. <laughs> You were a child. That's just how kids are, man. They will ask all the uncomfortable questions that you don't want to answer. Yeah. Perceptive little buggers. <laughs> so what about you? What have you been reading? Uh, something completely different. I recently finished a sci-fi romance called My Chameleon Mate by Susan Trombley. She is the same author who wrote the Iridian test subject series that I loved so much. I believe I wrecked at least one of those books on a prior episode. This book takes place in the same universe, but it's kind of like a spin-off series of standalones. Mm. Mm -hmm. And in this book, a human woman is on her honeymoon with her husband, who turns out to be an absolute jerk. Yeah. And she ends up trying to leave her honeymoon early. Is his name Jeff? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it could be. She ends up trying to leave her honeymoon early using an escape pod. And the escape pod crash lands in the middle of a jungle on a planet that is, quote, forbidden because it's an emerging civilization, not part of the galactic whatever while she's crash landed on this planet, she's trying to survive and she finds someone's campsite and she steals the food and water from that campsite. <laughs> the campsite belongs to a chameleon-esque hot alien dude mm. who hunts her down, essentially, because he's curious and then finds her and basically helps her. Yay! There's a communication barrier, so if you like that, that's in this book. I like that. There's the, you know, exposure to different cultures, the survivalism aspect, which I like. And then, of course, their relationship slowly builds over time, and they fall in love. But then her husband shows up. Oh, whoops. Dun, dun, dun. Uh-oh. It's really good. It was cute. I really liked it. I like basically everything that Susan Trombley writes, though. She's one of my go-tos. It's good to have those. That's it for this time. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com, for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. And subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Or come find us on Twitter at RomanceMeCast. Speaking of Twitter, were you romanced by Byron and Winnie's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Am I the Asshole? A modern... <laughs> no, Jeff is. <laughs> or is... <laughs> is this supposed to be AIT? Is that... <laughs>
Am I supposed to say the phrase or? No, you're fine. You're Freaking fine. I am overthinking this. Keep going. Okay. We discuss <laughs> Am I the Asshole? A Modern Fairy Tale by Cassie Alexander. Should I do that again? No, I'm keeping this. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to regret this. <laughs> Bye! Bye.